Um, this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter number five, and we are going to be looking at another saying of Jesus, and it's when Jesus says to love your enemies. And this is important because the Lord gives us a, uh, an accurate understanding of what it means to love our enemies. Um, now, I did not choose this message in light of everything that's going on with our political realm. I guess what, maybe a better title would be uh, Love Trumps Hate, but <laughs> I, I'm guessing that <laughs> it's probably not a good one. <laughs> But we're going to be looking at um, love your enemies, and I would say that everyone in here this morning, um, all of us have either had an enemy, or has an enemy, or will have an enemy um, in the life that we live. And it's important to understand what the Lord is speaking to us about loving our enemies, because the Lord wants us to live a life uh, that represents his kingdom. The Lord wants us to live in a life that represents that we are children of God. And it allows us to interact with people and it allows us to display God's love and it allows us to display uh, the way that God has a relationship with us to others. So it's important to understand when the Lord says, love your enemies, what that exactly uh, in details. So let's uh, have a word of prayer here and uh, then we'll jump into the message here out of Matthew chapter number five. Father, do thank you so much uh, just for your goodness and your love towards us and do pray that you please be with us here this morning. Um, allow us to come into an understanding of what it means um, to love our enemies. Uh, Lord, you gave us a great example of that in how you lived and walked among uh, your creation. And please allow us to apply the scriptures to our heart uh, so we can represent your kingdom well, so we can represent um, our Heavenly Father well. I thank you for just your goodness and your love towards us in our own life, and I pray that um, if there's people here today that are struggling with loving an enemy in their life, I, I pray that, Lord, you use this to help them, to teach them what it means to love your enemy. And God, for us that have been hurt, for us that have um, encountered injustices in our lives, Help us to reflect upon our attitude towards those people and help us to love them and uh, to seek out reconciliation, to seek out the relationship that you so desire for our lives. We thank you, we love you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for the time of worship that we got to enter into your courts with praise. And please allow this time to be used and to be used to your glory. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So love your enemies. Let's read here Matthew chapter number five and uh, what it means to love your enemy and what the Lord uh, has to say about that. Matthew chapter number five, and we're going to begin reading here um, in verse number 38. Lord says here, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. 
But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Beginning in verse 42, he says, Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. In verse 46, he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So here's the Lord. He is teaching Sermon on the Mount. And remember in this audience, you have the disciples. You have people that showed up because they even said, this guy teaches uh, not as the scribes and the Pharisees teach. He teaches one having authority. And also in that mix there, you have the scribes, you have the Pharisees. I mean, they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to see what this guy had to say about the law. After all, they prided themselves on what the law had taught. And Jesus here says, you've heard it said. In other words, you've heard what is said in the Old Testament. You've heard what the, the writings were put down in the law of Moses. And the Lord fulfills that law. He allows us to see the meaning behind the law. He gives us the panoramic view of the purpose of that law. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so in this saying, we see these two things. And you'll see how these two passages of Scripture are connected together. Because it almost looks like we're talking about retaliation. And then we're talking about loving your enemies. But I believe those two are connected. Because on one hand, the Lord says, all right, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, if somebody comes over and gouges out your eye, you're supposed to take an ice pick and go gouge out their eye. Or if somebody goes over there and knocks your teeth out, you just get a brass knuckles and go knock their teeth out as well. But that's not what the Lord is trying to teach us here. He's trying to teach us the meaning behind that law and to understanding what it means to love our enemies. So let's take note here of a few things in these scriptures. And uh, we're just going to dig into these just for a few moments and to get an understanding of what the Lord is trying for us to understand of what it means to love our enemies. So let's take care. Number one, injustice happens to everyone. Injustice happens to everyone. As we unpack these verses, we see that the motive back in the Old Testament law was eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Okay? Everybody gets hurt. Everybody has something verbally said wrong to them. Sometimes they encounter some type of physical um, hurt. But everybody has injustices happen to them. It's a part of life. I believe kids start learning this uh, where, when they're in the toddler room in the nursery. You know, the little kid's got the hammer and he runs over the other kid and smacks him on the head. Okay, injustice happens to everyone. 
And so our Lord is not trying to say that injustice don't happen. He's saying, look, I realize that injustice does happen. In fact, look at these verses here. Notice what he says here. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, he says, if anybody sues you, takes your property, takes your tunic, if anyone forces you, if anyone begs from you, and if anyone borrows from you, injustices happen to everyone. So there's loss of property, there's personal injury, there's burdens that are sometimes forced upon us. And the Lord is trying to say, look, injustices affect everyone. But during the time of Christ here, he was speaking to those that were living under Roman rule. Can you imagine the scenario? Let's, let's put like us as a government in the scenario. We live in the United States. It's free. Let's just imagine a foreign power were to come in to America and then we knew, we're saying, hey, we're supposed to be free. But then they began to put injustices upon us. In other words, they begin to take our personal property. They begin to inflict personal injury upon us. And we'd cry out and we'd say, that's injustice. Well, that's what was going on during the time of Jesus here. The Jews, these were God's people. They were living in a Roman world, a Roman society. Rome had rule. And so they were being, having injustices brought upon their lives. And so you can see the picture here as the Lord is teaching You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm sure that there were probably people sitting in that area that probably had experienced something like that. Maybe their family member got punched. Maybe their family member got thrown into jail. Maybe something else had happened. They lost property. So there was an injustice that had taken place. So it was during Roman time. But it's interesting to note here, the Lord says, it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The Pharisees at this time had perverted that law. In other words, what they had done is they had taken the law of God that said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, which was supposed to be done in a court system, a, a system of a court. The Lord established a court system where if somebody inflicted personal injury upon you, you were to go to the court and the court then was to make a fair judgment for that person. So if you had a cow and your neighbor backed over it with his wagon and the cow died, he was supposed to take it to court and the court then was to hear the matter and supposed to rule favorably in this matter. So eye for eye, tooth for tooth. What the Pharisees did is they said, hmm, I don't like that because sometimes things don't go my way. So what they would then in turn do is they would seek out personal revenge. So they would go to the court and it didn't rule in their favor and they'd say, okay, just wait till court's over. Uh-oh, somebody's gonna have an accident. Your wagon just accidentally blew up, okay? Some kind of like Jewish mafia, I don't know, okay? <laughs> But that's what was going on. So the Lord is saying here, look, you've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, you're supposed to love your enemies, okay? So the Lord tells us, if anybody slaps you on the right cheek, 
You don't go out seeking personal revenge for when somebody does that. In other words, he says that you're supposed to turn to him, the other also. And if anyone sues you, you're not supposed to retaliate and try to seek out personal revenge. He says you're supposed to give him your cloak as well. And if anybody forces you to go one mile, he says you go with him two miles. So God established the courts to do this. And this is an interesting thing that's taught throughout scripture. We find it in the book of Deuteronomy. We also find it in the book of Romans where God kind of gives us a, a reminder. Let's turn over there. Let's look at that real quick. Romans chapter number 13. And listen to what Paul writes about the government and writes about rule and the court systems. Romans chapter 13 verse number 4. Well, I'll tell you what, let's back up and read uh, verse number 1. That gives us an understanding of the context there. Romans chapter 13, verse number 1, Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that, ha that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a tear to good conduct, but to bad would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant. Now, listen to this. The Lord is saying the courts, the government, it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So that's what the Lord had instituted. That's what the Lord had set up, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And so as our Lord speaks, he fulfills this law, and he's trying to restore order to the courts. Because you have these guys seeking out personal revenge without going to the courts or the magistrate at the time. So the saying for eye for eye and tooth for tooth is completely safe in a courtroom setting, but when you seek personal revenge outside a courtroom setting, then it becomes wrong. You are, you are going against what God had set up. It is the spirit of revenge that the Lord is trying to get us to understand here. So the spirit of the law was never in favor for revenge. The Lord never wanted us to seek out personal revenge against injustices that happen in our lives. You know, in 2016, we may not be living under Roman rule. So how does this apply to all of us today? Well, you know, all of us can place ourselves in this passage. Possibly someone has caused personal injury to you. Maybe you have suffered the loss of personal property or has placed some sort of burden upon you. You know, we live in a fallen world of mankind. And mankind is prone to seeking injustices upon other people. Sometimes it's by doing it like you're just going to do it because you want to. And sometimes people do injustices upon us by accident. They don't, they don't mean to do it. But the truth is, all of us get hurt by personal injustices. 
And that's a reality that we live upon. So obviously, we're not to act as the Pharisees acted in seeking eye for eye and tooth for tooth. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle injustices in our own life? Well, that continues on into the next portion of scripture here. Because notice what the Lord says here. Secondly, we need to learn the law of love. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So for those that have caused injustices upon your life, the Lord says we are to love them and pray for them. It sounds so simple, right? The truth is, it is. But we have a hang up, don't we? You know what our hang up is? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We want to get even. We say, he did that, I'm gonna do this. He said that, I'm gonna say this. We want to get even. You know, this is not the way that Christ designed for relationships to work. And this is not the way that we are supposed to be living as kingdom followers of the Lord. Revenge is self-seeking, but love is never self-seeking. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is not proud, it does not demand its own way, it is not boastful, and it is not greedy. It does not seek personal gain. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to live. So when injustices come up in our lives, in which they will if they have not already, what are we supposed to do? We are to love our enemies and we are to pray for them. So here's the question. Why should I love my enemies and pray for those who use and abuse me? Well, our Lord gives us some interesting things about this. Number one, our enemies are created in the image of God. The people that you have a beef with, the people that you have a hang up with, the people that have caused you hurt and pain are created in the very same image of God just as you are. They are loved by God. God loves them. He cares for them. He wants them to come into a relationship with Christ if they don't know the Lord. And so they are created in the very image of God. They are not below us. They are the same. And we are to love them, Jesus says. Now that's hard. Because we have been wronged. We've been hurt. So when we love our enemies, it teaches us some things about who God is. It teaches us the fact that God loves us no matter what injustices we have caused to him. And it helps us in that. So our enemies are created in the image of God. Secondly, prayer allows his spirit to work in my life. Why does Christ want us to pray for our enemies? Because God desires to be part in loving our enemies. And when our heart is praying for that individual, the Spirit of God allows to, is, is working in us and God wants to be a part of that in loving that individual. And he shows his love through you towards that other enemy because you are praying for them. Our prayer is addressed to God. He doesn't say, 
pray to your enemies. He says, pray for your enemies. And so when we pray, we are praying to the Lord. So what exactly are we to pray for? Well, let me give you a few prayers that you shouldn't pray. For example, God, please see to it that he gets what's coming to him. Or, Lord, if it be your will, please consume my enemy in a flaming fire from heaven. Or, God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there in the cubicle across from the hall. Please allow me to show him the way a sinner should not live. Those are not prayers that you should be praying for your enemy. So what is a good prayer for your enemy? Well, I would say the golden rule is a very good example of how we should pray for our enemy. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pray for others the way that you would want them to pray for you. Think about what you pray for yourself. Anybody, what do you pray for yourself in your own life, in your own personal relationship with God? What do you pray for? Mercy, good health, wisdom, safety. What else? Grace, provision, endurance, peace, help. All these things that we pray for the Lord to bless us with, that's how we should be praying for our enemy. God, please bless them. Lord, please provide for his family. Lord, please work in his life. God, will you please direct his life? Lord, will you bring a blessing in his life? Lord, I heard that one of his children is sick. Will you please give that child health? You see, it changes the whole spectrum of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now it turns in the fact of, Lord, I desire the same blessings that you bless me with to be blessed upon this individual as well. And so our Lord is trying to us to understand, to learn the law of love. The climax of this law of love is acting as Christ would act. Let's look, notice that. Look, thirdly, we find here God's example of loving enemies. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 through 48. He says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward he says do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same and then he goes on to say here and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Notice twice in the text, Jesus says, so that you may be sons of your Father and so that you, the, so that you may be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In verse number 48. And sandwiched in between those two statements of the Lord is an example of how God displays his love towards his creation. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, and he causes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. God is no respecter of persons. God allows his love to be displayed through to his creation, and he gives them rain, and he gives them sunshine. 
to the just and the unjust. Now, if it were up to us, we'd be like, oh, Lord, um, yeah, don't, don't allow the sun to shine over there on that house. Those people are just weird. Or we'd say, yeah, did you hear about Farmer John over there? Yeah, he's having a rough time with crops. Yeah, I hope the Lord really withholds his reign over there. That guy is just terrible. But the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord allows his rain and his sunshine to fall upon the just and the unjust. Now, put this in, into perspective. The same people that the Lord is allowing his rain and his sunshine to fall upon are the same people that curse his name, that cause injustices to others, and that even cause injustice to the Lord himself. But the Lord says... I'm going to still allow my rain to fall on the just and the unjust. I'm going to allow my sunshine to shine upon those that are just and those that are unjust. And so the Lord gives us a perfect example. God's example of loving others is giving. And he gives what we don't deserve. Stated here, Jesus says that God out of his pure love out of his goodness, out of his mercy, out of the fact that God is just a righteous God, gives rain and sun to those who obey him and to those who abuse him, profane and cause injustices. So he willingly and freely gives these things to us. You know, I can think of another thing that God gave to us, to the just and the unjust, and that was his son. He willingly gave his son. We all know the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God gave his son to us knowing that we would reject him. That we would mock him. That we would persecute him, beat him, and crucify him. But yet God still willingly gave to us because he has love towards those that may cause injustices to him. The Bible teaches us, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. And so as sons and daughters of the king, we have an example to follow. Look at what the text tells us. It says here in verse number 48, he says that you therefore must be perfect. So if we are supposed to be loving our enemies, as Jesus says, he says we are supposed to be perfect. Now what is he talking about? Is he talking about the fact that we are perfect in the sense that we do not sin or in the fact that we are as perfect being as God, as God is? No, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with our moral character. It has to do with being perfect in our love towards other individuals. So Jesus is trying to get us to see that we need to be perfect in our relationships with our enemies. Just as God is perfect in his relationship with his creation, we are to be perfect in our relationship with those that are enemies in our lives. Notice what Jesus says here in the text about relationships with enemies. In verse 46, he mentions these two, two groups of people here. Verse 46, he says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. 
And then in verse 47, he says, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So our Lord is trying to teach us about how to be perfect in our relationships with others by showing love. And he gives us two examples, the tax collectors and the Gentiles. Now let's notice a few things about these tax collectors and the Gentiles. Number one, he says tax collectors. These were, these were people that were Jews. They were, they were brothers of the Jews there. And what they had done during the Roman rule, during the Roman government, they had decided to take a job from the Roman government who was causing injustice upon the Jews and they said, I will be a tax collector for the Roman government. Now, Jesus never said that we shouldn't pay our taxes. But these people, the tax collectors, were considered to be, they were hated by their fellow brothers, the Jews, because they were in cahoots with the Roman government. They sat at the tables there and they collected taxes for the Roman government. And they looked at that and said, what disgust. I can't believe that you would be in cahoots with the Roman government. Do you know what they just did to my brother? And they hated them for it. So the Lord says here about these tax collectors that we are supposed to be showing an example of love towards our enemies. And he uses the tax collectors to get a point across to us. Here's the point that the Lord is trying to make. The tax collectors were despised so much by their fellow Jews that they were excluded from all religious fellowship. Their money was considered tainted and it defiled anyone who accepted it. And so our Lord's, notice what our Lord says in verse 45, or excuse me, verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He says, do not even the tax collectors do the same. The Lord is trying to teach us something here. And he's saying, look, if you just love people because they love you, he says, you're not really accomplishing my will. You're not really doing what I've called you to do. Because even the tax collectors love those that love them. They were despised and hated. But I'm sure that maybe they had people in their little group that said, hey, man, you're a good guy. Oh, great. Yeah, I am a good guy. Great. But our Lord's saying, look, you don't just love somebody on the basis because they love you. He says, you love them no matter what. No matter what injustice that they have caused in your own life. Our Lord's trying to help us understand that by giving us an example of loving our enemies. Then he talks about the Gentiles. Gentiles were considered the heathen. They were all nations except the Jews. In Jesus' time, the Jews prided themselves on certain privileges that they had that the heathen did not have. And so they began to detest others who were not Jews. This word Gentile was used as a word of contempt in Jesus' time. It's interesting to note that the publicans were considered no better than a Gentile. And so our Lord here gives us this other example of the Gentiles. Notice what he says in verse 46. He says, uh, or excuse me, verse 47, And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. 
Our Lord wants us to go beyond just loving those that love us and like us that like us. And he wants us to move past that and learn how to love others irregardless if they've said something to us, if they've treated us in a bad way. Maybe we just don't like the way that they think. Maybe they have a different view on things. Our Lord encourages us to love our enemies. So our relationships and how we treat our enemies are to be a living example of our relationship, of our redemption that we have with God. And we are to be displaying that to our enemies. Because if I were to, for example, Jonas over here, let's just say I didn't like the way Jonas played the drums. Man, he's terrible at it. I could do so much better job. And if every time I saw Jonas, I had that, that thing with him. And even though he's my brother in Christ, and I did not love him the way I should love him, that I'm going completely against what the Lord is trying to teach me to do. Or let's just say Alex, you know, Alex works uh, doing hard, hardscaping, landscaping. And I decide I'm going to go get a job working with Alex. And he hits me in the head with a shovel. <laughs> now, he didn't mean to, it was an accident. But, you know, I start thinking, man, he hit me in the head. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit him back. Now, that's a crazy example, but you understand what I'm trying to get at here. When we have injustices in our lives, we are to love our enemies and we are to pray for them because we show the relationship that we have been redeemed by God and that God loved us irregardless of our injustices that we did to him. And he loves us. And the Bible even teaches us that Jesus Christ prays for us. And that's how we are to be living in this world. So we are to be loving our enemies. Let's pray. Father, do thank you so much for your word. Thank you for allowing us to get an understanding of what it means to love our enemies. And Lord, all of us in here have enemies. I have enemies. I have people that I consider that they've wronged me, they've, they've hurt me, they've, they've said things, they've done things in my own life. And Lord, I know that many others in here have the same feelings in their heart. But God, help us not to harbor anger. Help us not to harbor a get-even-revenge type of spirit in our hearts. But Lord, help us to release that and to release it to you and just come to you with our hearts open and, and a desire to pray for them and a desire to show love towards them not based upon what they can give us, but solely based upon the fact that you forgave us, that you gave us things, you give us blessings, even when we were, had injustices towards you and your son. We're so thankful just for the fact that you redeemed us by your grace. And God, help us to display that to others by loving our enemies. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.